Big news in Blue Jays land on Wednesday as Toronto has fired manager Charlie Montoyo and replaced him with bench coach John Schneider. There are a lot of questions to answer about this move. Why would the Jays do this with a winning record? What did Charlie do wrong? We'll do our best to sum up those questions and more in the latest episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. Blue Jays have made a move. They've made a surprising move. I think it, it's safe safe to call it that. They've made uh, a dramatic move. Charlie Montoya's gone. The Blue Jays decided uh, yesterday, Wednesday, June or Wednesday, July thirteenth, rather, that Charlie Montoya would no longer manage this team. Um, it's it. There's <laughs> there's quite a bit to unpack. You know, Toronto had. A winning record. They've been struggling since the start of May. Things think that the vibes overall were not good. They're coming off a, a difficult road trip. Um, there were some off the field issues that, that were making things difficult emotionally. But ultimately, Ross Atkins and Toronto's front office brain trust decided that Charlie wasn't the guy anymore. Mitch, what were your early thoughts, I guess, from hearing Atkins speak on Wednesday and, and, and soaking in? you know, uh, all, all this information about Charlie's uh, dismissal. Yeah, I think I was surprised too. I think anyone who claims, who, who's not a player or a manager or Ross Atkins who claims that they saw this coming is probably not telling the truth. I think this is a surprise all around. Maybe there was some indications, but I think the biggest indication was that they were two and one and nine in their last 10 games. Like the manager's on the hot seat. If you're supposed to be a playoff game and you're losing nine of 10, that's just how it goes in baseball. And we'll talk a lot about why it happened and, and what happened and why Charlie's no longer with the team. But I think it does ultimately everything come back to the fact that they weren't winning baseball games. And I thought maybe he was going to get a little bit of a longer rope with, you mentioned Julia Budzinski's funeral the day before, kind of everything going on about the team. But ultimately the decision was made and Ross Atkins said, and I, I think this is a fair answer. People have talked about the, the cruelty of the timing. Because Atkins said, when you make that decision, it's almost kind of disrespectful to Charlie and to the team to like wait uh, or, or to put it off like another week. Like it, you don't want to be a dead man walking. Like it's Charlie's a big boy. He's, he's a grown man who's been around baseball. He knows people get fired. And yeah, it, it obviously sucks for him, but we'll see what happens to the team going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, Atkins emphasized this move as a collective setback, right? So the first thing Ross did off the top was kind of address, you know, initially how badly he wanted it to work with Charlie, which I think is genuine. I mean, most, most GMs are going to say this, it's not surprising, but you know, Charlie was Atkins pick to manage this team, right? He was, he was his boy. This is, you're the guy that's going <clears> to <throat> handle the team for the next four years. Now it was Charlie necessarily the, the championship manager that is maybe debatable. Um, but Atkins took accountability for this failure uh, which it which it was. I mean, the team, I would suppose, record-wise isn't such a failure, but the fact that they had to change their manager mid-season during a winning season is definitely a failure in some capacity. Um, but we wanted to talk about the timing because I think the timing is the most mysterious part of all of this. Um, yes, like you said, Toronto was, you know, they had lost 10 of 11, I, I believe it was, or 
and nine they were of one eleven, I think. Nine of eleven, and they were one and six uh, on the West Coast. Um, but this is this is makes things even more interesting. Is that Toronto extended Charlie in April at the start of the year? They said, "Hey, listen, man, we want you for one more year." And and we know this is how managerial contracts work. Sometimes you know team options for the next couple of years. They were leaving the door open for for Charlie to to do stuff like this. And but what they say about managers' right is, is you're hired to be fired. And like you said, uh, Charlie kind of knew that this was a possibility. And but maybe not so soon is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I think it is interesting. Like with the All Star break being next week, maybe maybe that plays into the timing. You give a guy like John Schneider, who's obviously been around the team. It's not going to be a big learning curve for him, and we'll get into that later. But you give him a couple series to get his feet under himself, go into the All-Star break, then he can really like have meetings, sit down, figure out how he wants to lead this team, and then come out of the All-Star break and hope for a, really a fresh start. I, I think that's what the Jays are hoping for uh, here. And it's purely a guess on the All-Star, building this around the All-Star break is a reason for the timing, but I think that would make a lot of sense. Uh, but from like kind of a big picture timing, like you were alluding to, I think I thought if there was going to be a move, it might happen at the end of the season. They didn't make the playoffs, but I think that kind of speaks to maybe the desperation that this team has to turn this season into a successful season. We, we talk a lot about Bo, Vlad, other guys as this young core. They're increasingly not a young core. Like we're talking about being more than halfway through their time as guaranteed blue Jays. Like odds are some of the guys on this team who were part of that young core are not going to be on this team in two years, three years. So you got to win now. And I think this is definitely a win now move. It's not the win now trade move. I think a lot of people were expecting this front office to make. That's coming later though. Yeah. I think there'll be both. Yeah. I think if, if you didn't think they're going to be going all in at the deadline, this move says that they, have every intention of trying to turn this season into a world series contender. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's a good point that this, you know, Charlie's dismissal really tells you that this is the opening of the floodgates. Like Toronto was showing its hand, telling everyone, Hey, listen, we are down bad. We needed to make this change to shake things up and we're not going to let the season slip away. Right. I feel like, you know, Toronto's front office last season did a good job of, you know, managing that desperation, you know, maybe they, they could have gone a little harder um, at the deadline, but still they brought in Jose Barrios. Like that's a big move. They traded their second two and three Woods Richardson and Martin one and one and three, two and three. Yeah. I don't know if Moreno had made the jump quite yet, but yeah, Yeah. two of the top top, three prospects. Yeah. Yeah. Top four, four top five prospects. Um, So yeah, but in, in terms of, the small scale timing and back to your all-star break point, right? Schneider now gets a series against the uh, AAA Omaha Royals, right? And who have double A guys. I'm sure have. Yep. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a healthy mix. Um, and we are looking at the stats. <laughs> the other vaccinated day. mix. Very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were looking at the, uh, the stats the other day and Omaha's best pitcher has like a four fifty ERA and a one, five whip. And a one, five, one, five whip. Oh my God. Uh, so, so that'll be something I think in, in, like you said, Atkins um, explained that, you know, it was, it wouldn't have been fair to Charlie if we had knew that this was coming and, you know, we, we held out and we didn't let him go. Um, so Toronto had this cooking for a little bit, not 
overly long, but it had come together, you know, during the West Coast road trip, particularly during the Seattle trip. Uh, and, and they thought the time was right. And listen, I'm sure Toronto knew who they were playing this weekend. I'm sure Toronto also knew that the Royals weren't going to have, you know, their, their full roster. So for Schneider, like you said, it's really a perfect time for him to hop in. Coming off a win, too, in Charlie's last game, that's big, too, right? Against the Phillies, they're not a slouch of a team. They're still a talented team. Granted, they are also missing players because of the vaccination rule. Um, it's starting, starting to sound like Toronto has an advantage. That's, <laughs> it's starting to sound like Toronto has a huge advantage. I mean, if only the rules in the U.S. weren't like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's good timing. Uh, and we were talking, we're thinking like three or four from KC. You got to get that this weekend. I mean, it, it, Toronto played excellent in this series against the Phillies. I thought overall, um, there was some, there was some shaky defense. Like Bo made a mistake yesterday. That was almost costly, but not, uh, not super costly because the Phillies went and pitched some guy named Bubby. Mm-hmm. And then Brad Hand, and <laughs> who didn't let up. There you go. Um, yeah. So as I keep circling back to the, to the runway point, I think Schneider has all the pieces in place for him uh, to, to succeed going forward. Yeah, for sure. And if we want to get like even a little more granular and go away from the timing and just to the move itself, like I think there's been a lot of talk and like some looking back discourse quotes have come out, mostly anonymous quotes, some not anonymous quotes about kind of why this move was made. I think some like the general sentiment that some people online have kind of run with is that Charlie like lost the clubhouse. And that's not how I even read the most like damning quotes. Uh, I think my kind of perception just from being around the team is that in the last like seven to 10 days, and granted we weren't around the team for most of that. And that seems when this has kind of happened because they went one and nine. And when they went one and nine, frustrations happen. And Charlie is very much a ride it out kind of manager. Like a, hey, we're a talented team. Water will find its level. This will be fine. I think the issue with this team, or at least, and this is my opinion, this is not reporting anything, is that this is a flawed team that is not, the water for this team is not 100 wins. Like it's not going to find its level back up to 95, 100 wins because Right now, the back of the rotation is in shambles and the bullpen's not great and the offense has been inconsistent. So maybe that find it level, ride it out managerial style was not going to fit with what this team needs right now. They need someone who's not going to tell them it'll figure itself out. They needed someone who will tell them to figure it out because there's not going to be reinforcements coming at least for a couple more weeks and they need to get it going. Mm-hmm. And and how to figure it out, right? You exactly. know, you, yeah. you need, and like you said, you know, you got a chance to ask Ross Stripling, I guess, about um, the difference between Schneider's managerial style and Charlie's. And you mentioned something about a little bit more outspoken energy and that Schneider was kind of the guy who would address people in groups and be kind of that, you know, outward leader that maybe Charlie was a little bit more, um, I guess, personal with the way he would he would discuss things with players. Yeah, I think if Charlie had an issue with you, you were going to come into his office. No one else was really going to find out about it. I think like the, the comments that would sometimes come out about his dis- dissatisfaction with specific pitchers, maybe not throwing in the strike zone were 
rare, few and far between. And when he said something like that, you know, he like truly had was frustrated with guys' performances. Uh, I, we haven't had a whole lot of time with uh, John Schneider as manager. So I don't know if those kinds of conversations are going to be different to us and outwardly, but as far as I understand, yeah, very bubbly guy at the end of the day, very similar human being to Charlie Montoyo, very positive, a baseball lifer been around the organization. He's, he's been kind of the Lieutenant to Charlie for the last four years. And so it's not going to be like decision-making differences. It's not going to be X's and O's. It's probably not even going to be like general vibes differences. It's going to be the communication and the messaging. And I think that's, the lever that they pulled you, you they liked the comfortability they had and felt like maybe they needed not a different message but the message to be told in a different way but it's also not like science it's not like you trade prospects to get a better manager like wh- what does that mean what's a better manager it's a human move that you're kind of hoping works like you you don't know if this is going to work you, you never know it's not like i think people especially hockey people think you fire the coach and then your next 10 games are pretty good. There's this like bounce that people think you get from firing the coach. It, it, it fires it, up it, the boys worked for the Oilers this year. Didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like maybe, maybe because the hockey world is so ingrained in it that the, the players are incepted into believing that they should play better when this happens. And I'm sure there's a little bit of a man where it's all it cost a guy, his job, like this sucks. we got to play better, but it's logical. Like, yeah. <sighs> You're not going to fire a manager just because you think it's psychologically going to motivate your team or have them do some kind of uh, reflection, I suppose. You mentioned something really interesting with the messaging. And I think people, because obviously Charlie was just fired and it was a big deal, people are kind of going back and really picking into how Charlie spoke to the media or you know how he went about everything. That's fine. You know, It's fair to go back and criticize him because obviously it wasn't working. But one, yeah, one criticism I did hear is that, you know, he, he constantly would throw the pitchers under the bus and, and criticize them. Like, you and I have had the chance to cover a lot of other managers with some of the other, you know, freelance work that we do. And we've been in the other clubhouse, been in other dugouts. Charlie is like the least critical manager I think I, I, I've been around. You know, you, you talk to like Brandon Hyde or Kevin Cash and these guys will, you know, they'll tell you when some somebody did something wrong or they felt like this part could have been better, like, you know, Charlie saying that Yusei Kikuchi needs to throw more strikes is not like a rocket science observation. It's a fact, and, not an observation. Yeah. <laughs> and and he was doing it in a kind manner. Like there are plenty of other managers, plenty of other coaches who could have said a lot worse about Kikuchi than, you know, I, I can't defend this guy anymore. Right. Which was always Charlie's kind of go to line. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think maybe that is ultimately what got him fired. I, I think, well, first and foremost, I think going one and nine and hovering on a playoff spot is what got Charlie fired. Uh, that's not Charlie's fault as much as it is every other person in the organization who is trying to win baseball games, but he's the lever you have to pull. And I think one quote we saw come out that was told anonymously to Caitlin McGrath from the athletic is like kind of sums that up. It's like when you're one and nine, you're looking for someone to come in and either kick you in the ass or pump you up. Just something, some guidance. And I think just being around Charlie, you kind of understand he's not that guy. And that's his style. That's him. And it's worked for him. He was a finalist for AL manager of the year, but when you're one and nine and you're really fallen and the team's not good enough to just get itself back on track with the players on the roster, maybe that doesn't work. And so I think that's why John Schneider is now the manager of the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Charlie seemed like would be maybe he's a little bit. I think he's kind of has a shyer personality, like, and in that sense, you know, he probably was gun shy in terms of speaking up to the boys and saying, "Hey, listen, like, we need to do something. Like, you guys need to talk, or this something needs to happen." I mean, of course, we weren't in the clubhouse during the West Coast road trip where there was a players only meeting, um, and you know, we had a chance. The media had a chance to speak with George Springer. He didn't say anything particularly groundbreaking. You know, he didn't. Um, and this, this surprised me a little bit. He didn't mention uh, much accountability. And this is, this is kind of something I thought about. Like, he didn't really acknowledge that the players had some role in Charlie's firing. Um, you know, he, he mentioned, you know, going forward, you know, having to stick to your, stick to your plan and, and, and get better and kind of, you know, the mental aspect of grinding through the off-field issues, meaning, you know, Charlie's gone, all this other noise, let's just stick to playing baseball. But Ross Stripling did address that when he he spoke to you and a few other reporters after the game. Um, it was quite a good quote. He's always, you know, he always has a decent perspective. Uh, do you remember what he said? Yeah, this is going to be a paraphrase, so don't quote me quoting Ross Stripling here. It's on my Twitter if you really want to find the whole chunk. But it was like the first person I'd spoke to yesterday and yesterday was kind of a chaotic day. I think we'll, I'm going to speak to more guys moving forward and we'll get maybe a little bit more polish on the story of what happened, but Stripling said, and he started his kind of talk with at the end of the day, if we want baseball games, Charlie would still be here. And like, I think that's a great point. That's me saying that not Stripling, but back to Stripling. It was like, you feel bad for Charlie because he's been, around this young core on the way up and he's not going to be able to see their success. And if we had won, Charlie would still be here. And like, I think even if they hadn't won, Charlie would probably still be here. They just like, it's the way they kind of went about losing over the last two weeks where it felt like the floor was falling out from under them. That's once I'm no longer quoting Ross Stripling. If that wasn't this whole podcast, once again, this whole podcast is a Ross Stripling quote. We need like a, a noise that is on and off on quotation marks. Here. Yeah, well, you, do, you can do the finger things, but obviously our listeners in, can't. In uh, the audio yeah. format, the finger things aren't the, the most useful. Yeah. <laughs> finger um, things is the, uh, the proper term. Yeah, and th- that was interesting that that's kind of the only guy that we've spoken to, at least, that kind of said that. Ross Atkins maybe alluded to it a bit with like how it's been disappointing and the disappointment of where they are in the standings and how they performed is why they made the move. That's kind of saying the same thing without saying it, but yeah, ultimately this is going to fall on the players. Like if they keep this up for the rest of the season, John Schneider's probably not going to be back next year. And that'll be two managers jobs who have, who are no longer working for the blue Jays, but we'll see if they do get the, the dead cat bounce. Is that what they call it in the stock market term where a bad thing happens and, I feel like I misused that. And so maybe you, it's should, have che- you should have checked with Ross Stripling. On yeah. That. He would be the guy to ask, but <laughs> I guess we can kind of transition and away from the, why was Charlie fired? Unless you have something else you want to say into the, why yeah. was John Schneider? The guy. Yeah. See, and this is, this is a connection to that next part. Um, you know, I, and I think John Schneider, and we know that he has interviewed for other clubs, managerial positions. I think that, him being a prime candidate to be a manager anyways, just kind of pushed the ball down the hill on this decision, right? Like they knew that, you know, maybe you ride it out with Charlie till the end of the season and you fire him at the end of the season, but then John Schneider is, you know, a prime managerial candidate for a bunch of other clubs. So 
we had always got the sense that Schneider was being kind of groomed to be a manager. Um, he's want, he, he said it himself. It's been his lifelong dream to be a manager in the big leagues. Not a completely original dream, obviously an honorable one. Um, but he, he had been a manager with, you know, Kevin Biggio and Lansing, and he had gone single A, double A, triple A, all the way up with this core. It, it was a move that, that made a lot of sense. And because of his trajectory, uh, the players have a lot of trust in him. They have a lot of belief in him and they know him very well and they know how he communicates. Yeah, exactly. I think that the, aside from what we talked about earlier and maybe he's going to present the message in a different way, a slightly different way, his nuance about how he goes about it is probably going to be different from Charlie Montoya because they're different guys. But yeah, I think the familiarity he has with this core, been around this team for the last three plus years is a big reason and it's a big reason why all bench coaches are like the natural default next man up when a manager gets canned but it's even him more so because of that minor league experience and i think it's interesting you mentioned like yeah he was maybe gonna go somewhere else and i think people have this kind of perception that john schneider was being groomed to be the next blue jays manager I, i think he was being prepared to be a future big league manager. I think everyone in the organization knows and knew that he was going to go on to lead a team. Likely I'm sure Charlie Montoyo knew that mm-hmm. he didn't necessarily think it was going to be the blue Jays and you, you don't love to lose guys, but I'm sure they would have been happy for him to go to the Mets and become their next manager. Like that would have been a move that everyone was happy with. It just, the timing worked out that he could be the next blue Jays manager. And I think back to that kind of perception about him being groomed, this wasn't necessarily Ross Atkins and Marsha Pyro's guy. Like he predates them in the organization by 15 years. Like it's not like they brought him over and we're like always had this kind of shadow behind Montoyo. It's just, he's a really good leader and he climbed the organization as a top prospect leader. And he, he was the guy that they felt comfortable to mold these young guys. Uh, they didn't feel comfortable giving him the manager job back when they hired Montoyo, but now they feel comfortable giving it to him now because he has Everything he had back then, plus three and a half years of big league leadership experience. Mm-hmm. And plus he's already played, and you touched on this earlier, but he's already played such an integral role in the way they manage this team, like in terms of defensive strategy, lineup construction. Um, you look at any, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but you look at any photo of John Schneider for the last three years and he's got two pens. He's got a sunburn. Yeah, he's got a sunburn. He's probably a little sweaty. And he's got two pens in his jersey because he's the guy marking up the lineup card. He's the guy who's in the nitty gritty. Charlie Montoyo, at the end of the day, is probably making those decisions and was making those decisions. But Schneider was right there beside him and and helping him execute those. Yeah, it's Schneider had. And, you know, he's also a guy that calls like when Moreno would be behind the plate. I'm fairly certain. Not 100% sure of this because I've never had a chance to, to ask him, but pretty sure he calls pitches too for a lot of for a lot of the um, the younger catchers and for certain batteries. Yeah, he's not, and you know that's what he kind of expressed is that like I think there was a question to him in his intro press conference about strategy and stuff like that, and he said, you know, it's, it's not really going to be all that different tactically. He explained kind of, um, and there are plenty of similarities, you know, beyond the tactics between Charlie and, and John Schneider, like. They're both very energetic. They're both very positive, I think, and, and like and, and outgoing people. Um, even though I just called Charlie shy earlier, I guess they're a different type of positive. And I think that's that's the important thing to cling on to here. Yeah, I think my kind of general sentiment is like this change was a matter of circumstance because of how the team was playing. 
there might have been some some small differences of opinion in the clubhouse, nothing that was blowing up, nothing that we knew about two weeks ago that's been lingering. So it, it couldn't have possibly been that bad. There was no fights we were witnessing, which is maybe a little different than previous generations where people are a little more bombastic. But uh, I think it comes down to the team was not winning games. And is John Schneider going to help them win games? Probably not in any significant way. Maybe this move fires them up. Maybe they get a little bit of a help over the next few days, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the figuring out the back of the rotation, figuring out a few more bullpen arms, and the inconsistent lineup becoming more consistent. Uh, it's, that's going to be what wins them baseball games. It's not going to be John Schneider choosing to hit and run in the fifth inning of a game down one against Zach Wheeler. It, it's not going to be that. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the issues still remain the same, right? This is just and at, it, Ross Atkins kind of explained that, saying that this was just one of the options that we had of making the team better. And it's like the first option, right? The, the next one is, you know, well, primarily you would hope that the players playing better is number one, but then getting more help from the trade market. Uh, and we'll explore that a little bit more uh, in, in future episodes, but going from here, Toronto's got a four gamer against Kansas city. Then they get some time off. Then there's, there, there are some positives, you know, Alejandro Kirk will start the all-star game. That'll be lots of fun. Um, Vlad will start that game as well. George Springer is still TBD if he plays, but he's an all-star. Alec Manoa is an all-star. There's a lot to look forward uh, to going forward. Um, I guess, Mitch, what, what, do you, what do you think the big takeaway is for the team going forward here? That these next three weeks before the trade deadline don't really matter. I think they got to just win baseball games. That's it. End of story. It's, it's what happens after that, what they do at the deadline, how this team gets better, how this team plays better uh, in the final couple months of the season that will define this season. It's not uh, it's not the John Schneider effect that's going to change it. It's does this team get better with the people they have now and the people they'll bring in. Mm-hmm. And John Schneider is now 1-0 as, as a starting the game as a manager, but his record, he is otherwise 2-1. We're, we're, I, I'm still unclear if those will count to his record. Uh, I got to look into it. Yeah. Charlie finished his managerial career with Toronto perfectly at 500 and I think 236 and 236. Schneider's off to a two and one start. That's exceptional. The move has paid off already. We're on pace for 110 <laughs> wins with John Schneider at the home. Um, obviously, just joking with that. But, you know, going forward, it will be very interesting with the trade deadline, with the draft is coming up too. Um, that'll be exciting. You guys can stick with us, uh, at sports illustrated for a lot of draft content. We're going to try and dive pretty heavy into that. Um, but it, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, uh, perhaps season defining, uh, next three weeks or so. Um, so we appreciate you guys stopping in to listen and, uh, hope you stick with us going forward.